listening to Uncle Silverback. This is the Arm Date Podcast. Today is Sunday, the 28th of November, 2010. Well, a lot of stuff has been going on lately. Um, on last show, I talked about the camping trip that I had done. And uh, I'm also going to do kind of a mini review today on a sleep pad that I had bought. And uh, let's see, what else we got going today on the show? I think, oh, we've, I'm going to talk a little bit about TSA. Now, on my other show, Firearms Cafe, I talked a little bit more in detail about some of that stuff, but going to do a little bit of a follow-up over here. Uh, also, we have a review from Eric, and uh, he's going to be talking about some movie stuff. Other than that, I didn't get any other, um, any other feedback or any other voicemails or emails. So, if you would like to contact the show, if you'd like to uh, participate, either to do a review or if you've got questions about something or a particular product maybe that you would like to have reviewed, uh, like I said, go ahead and send that stuff in. Uh, we can throw it out there. I'm sure somebody out there in the, uh, in the audience has uh, whatever, you've, whatever you're looking to get. I'm sure somebody else already has and can uh, maybe do a review for the rest of us. So again, if you want to contact the show and do a uh, just a quick voicemail, that's area code 206-339-3266. And we've got um, our email, which is thearmedape at gmail.com. That's all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. And there you can either write out a review and I can read it, or if you wanted to, you could record an MP3 and uh, send that to me through the email. Uh, let's see what else we got going on today. Uh, not too much. You know, I've still got a little bit of the congestion. I was sick uh, a little kind of the week before Thanksgiving. And it's kind of lingered on a little bit. And uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, we had a pretty good one. We had about 22 people over. Uh, so we had a big full house. Um, Every all related. Oh, we had one guy actually who was a friend of my cousin that came with it. So 21 out of the 22 people were uh, all related. So, and we didn't have the police show up. Didn't have any problems. Everybody got along fine. Um, we don't tend to have too much drama in my family, which is one thing I guess to be thankful for. Ooh, I'm still kind of tired today. Let's see, what else is going on? Um, oh, you know what? This is kind of a little bit of an aside, but it kind of gave me a little food for thought, and it kind of was a little bit upsetting. A neighbor of mine, a guy that lives across the street, his, uh, he's got a chain-driven garage door, and a garage door opener. And it had come off the sprocket, and a couple other things had happened. But anyway, he and I were over there trying to figure it out, and we... You know, it was a little bit beyond what I knew about. I don't, I'm not really well versed on garage door openers or anything. Although they're a pretty simple thing, mechanically. Um, anyway, we were over there and we were, it had got to where the garage door wouldn't close all the way. And I think what had happened was because of the, the chain had come off the sprocket and then it had just sort of gotten out of alignment type deal. And uh, so the uh, the garage door motor and stuff, you know, for lack of a better word, thought that the door was at the end of its 
you know, was at the bottom or at the top at a certain place, and, and that just needed to be adjusted. Well, anyway, uh, the two geniuses that we are, we couldn't really figure that out, and uh, so he was like, well, I'll just call a, uh, a garage door company, and they'll come out, and I was like, yeah, they usually do free estimates and stuff. Well, it turned out that they ended up charging him. They wanted to charge him uh, to come out, but they wanted to charge him something like $900 to replace the springs, to do all this other jazz. And he was like, no, you know, I'm not going to do that now. Um, so we ended up calling uh, another friend of his. And this guy, man, you, you talk about, I'm pretty handy when it comes to mechanical stuff. Uh, but this guy, man, he is just, there's like nothing he can't tackle. You know, he can look at something and he can just sort of intuitively knows how to figure it out. Uh, very mechanically oriented. Um, so he came over and kind of to cut to the chase here. He came over and he said, oh, well, what's happening is the chain is out of alignment a little bit and blah, blah, blah. And, and so we were able to fix it and get it working in probably about 15 minutes. And I was telling my neighbor, I said, you know what, those guys that came over here, the garage door repair people, they could have fixed that for you. They could have done the same thing, and they didn't. And the reason they didn't was because they just they wanted to try and soak him for some money. And, you know, this is part of what this show is about, too, is uh, letting people kind of know what's going on. So those guys, and the name of the company that he called was Precision uh, like precision door, precision garage door openers. So if you're out in the Arizona area and, uh, you know, you do have some problems with your garage door and you're going to call up a service, don't use them. You know, they'll they'll screw you over. Um, but, and, you know, it, it was probably about a year ago I had some problems with my garage door and I ended up having to uh, have a guy out, got to talking to him, and um, what had happened was the, the actual door had twisted, so it twisted the tracks and everything, and I was able to kind of get them back over, but I thought, well, they're probably going to have to replace the tracks. So he comes out, and he's like, nah, we can just, you know, we can just pull it back over and get it over here and do this stuff and repair it, and, and uh, he said, your springs may be starting to go, but they should be good for another two or three years, and blah, 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 all this other stuff. But the point of it, when I use that guy's company, is he could have given me a song and dance and could have charged me more, but the he got it going and it cost me about $50 and got the tracks repaired and, and put back where they needed to go and got the door working again, gave me a bunch of tips about stuff. Now, maybe it helped a little bit that when he was in the garage with me, I was out there with him, he saw some of my, I had, I had been doing some reloading, and he saw some of my reloading equipment, and he was like, oh, hey, you know, I reload too, and so I talked to him about stuff like that, and about shooting, and so, you know, maybe that had a a small part to play in how he treated me, because he, he saw that we had common interests, and and at least on some points would probably think alike politically on some things, but uh, it's just, it, it's unfortunate that these people, and that screwed over, that wanted to screw over my neighbor or wanted to take advantage of him. It's unfortunate they had to be like that. And, you know, long term, it would have been better business for him, for, for that company to go ahead and just try and, and fix that thing, to to do it, 
because he would have gone back to them and he would have recommended that company to people. So I don't know. Uh, just one of those things. But anyway, um, see, we covered our contact info, stuff like that. And uh, what we'll do is I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about TSA. And uh, we're starting to see with these advanced pat, you know, the advanced screening, and then, and then if, if they see something there they don't like, they, you know, that's when they do that advanced pat down and stuff like that. Um, also, if you want to see some links to some some videos that I had had put up or had linked to over on YouTube, go over to firearmscafe.com and look at the last my latest show thing, and you'll I have the links over there on the website at firearmscafe.com. Um, but what I had heard the other day, I was listening to the radio uh, when I was dropping my uh, uh, my kid off to school. On the way back, they were saying, and this was from ABC News. So now these numbers are their numbers. So I don't, I haven't done the the research to verify this stuff. But what they were saying was that only three percent of people go through the uh, extra screening or the advanced screening which means that which I think what they were saying was that only three percent of people are asked to go through that full body scanner so the nudie machine and of that three percent only one percent of people are getting the uh, enhanced pat downs Again, whether these numbers are true or, or, or accurate, I don't know. Uh, but when you think about it, in the, uh, you know, I'm in Arizona, so our, our biggest airport is going to be Sky Harbor out here. And they were saying, because the, they were interviewing these guys, and this was a different, a different news thing, but they had a person from the airport, and they were asking them, well, how many people actually just come through here through the airport in total on an average day and what are what's the numbers going to be like um, come Thanksgiving and come Christmas you know how are the, what, are, what are your increases going to be and what the spokesperson said was that normally they have between probably about 70 and 100,000 people that will come through the airport on a daily basis and that when Thanksgiving comes, and Thanksgiving is actually the highest day, or the, the, the highest time, the, the Thanksgiving, the holiday season there, that they increase from, you know, that 70 to 100,000 from around that average to around about 150,000. So really they're getting about a third more traffic that's coming through. But when you look at that 100,000 people, Unless and we'll just go kind of a little bit of that that high end on there on an average day, if they're saying that only three percent of that hundred thousand people come through, that's only three thousand people that are going to go through uh, going to go through the advanced screening, and of that three thousand people, only one uh, percent of that number will get the pat downs. So if we're looking at 100,000 people going through, the 3% that would get the, any type of advanced screening, would that would narrow you down to 3,000 people. But then again, of those 3,000 people, 
from my understanding, only 1% of that actually gets the grope, actually gets the advanced pat-down. Uh, and I hesitate to even call that. Basically, they actually get groped and fondled. I mean, let's call it what it is. So, really, only 30 people out of 100,000 people that go through there on a day are going to get this grope. And my question is, that is such a small representative number. Out of 100,000 people, you're going you're gonna to grope 30 people to keep the rest of those 100,000 safe. And this is, their, this is what they're telling us. But that number is so small that you're kind of, you know, the, statistically your margin of, of error, it would, it would almost make it worthless to do it if you're doing it to that small of amount of people. It doesn't do, it doesn't do anything. You're not going to catch anybody. You're not, and, and, and with all this advanced stuff, you know, that, that they're doing, how come we're not seeing massive amounts of terrorists stopped? How come we're not seeing tons of contraband getting stopped? And you're hearing story after story after story of people when they go through there, they'll go through the nudie machine and then they'll want to, they'll want the they'll take the person over for extra screening and they'll say, Hey, can you take out what's in your back pocket? And it turns out maybe it's a credit card or it's a cell phone. If this thing can't differentiate or can't let you know what a cell phone is, what good is it? And, you know, it, we, we know that, that the guy who was the former head of Homeland Security, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He's in bed with a company or is part of the company that's, uh, that makes these scanning machines. So, you know, again, if you follow the money, all that type of stuff. And then another thing about this is, is they talk about, oh, they don't want to profile, that they're not profiling. It's just totally random stuff. But for the most part, we don't hear, isn't it strange that we don't hear about all these, uh, there's no... Arab guys, there's no Muslim-looking men from 19 to 24 that are getting pulled for this random thing. Because you would think if it was random, there would have to be somebody who was Muslim that gets pulled over, or pulled out, or picked on. But what they're doing is they're actually doing the opposite. They're, they're profiling. Make no doubt about it, they are profiling. And who they're picking is, they're picking the 50-year-old... Uh, white businessman. They're picking the 75-year-old Chinese grandma. They're picking the 13-year-old, you know, black girl. So, you know, to say that they're not profiling, they totally are. It's just in the opposite direction. You know, because they don't want to be seen to offend anybody. Anyway, that's kind of my rant on TSA there a little bit. Uh, like I said, I, I'd done some more stuff over there, but uh, I just wanted to uh, kind of throw that stuff out kind of for food for thought. Well, I tell you what, let's go ahead and take a quick little musical break. 
And then when we come back, we'll uh, we'll play Eric's review, and then after that, we'll uh, I'll do my review on that sleep pad that I bought. It's a full blown operation. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's a full blown operation. What are you doing? Okay, this dog does that quite the only way for Big Dutter, Daisy Jason, Amy C, Gary Simmons, Two Rack. back to the TSA thing and then we'll move on you notice too in the news lately that what they're what you're hearing a lot about and uh, you know I, I jump back and forth in between a lot of the different news providers just to get kind of a just to see what things are, are being said out there so I'll listen to super liberal newscasts I'll listen to super conservative ones and uh, there's really not too many middle of the road ones but uh, in, in between both of them, you'll see some similarities and a lot of differences, uh, especially in the same in the same story. A lot of times, you'll see two totally different spins. But anyway, what you're starting to see more kind of on the uh, the liberal side of stuff, and a little bit, not as much, but a little bit even on the conservative side, is you're starting to see they're starting to when they're talking about this stuff, they're starting to say things like. Well, you know, these TSA guys, they got a hard job, and the poor TSA people, and, you know, they're, you know, we're asking, the the, the public in general is asking them to sort of stand up and say, no, we won't do this, and, and, but if they do that, then they're going to be immediately fired, and this and that. Well, I tell you what, if every person who who worked there said, no, you know, we're not going to do that, they're not going to fire everybody. They can't. They wouldn't have a workforce. Uh, but again, we're starting to see, you know, the the spin of the media of, you know, don't demonize these, you know, TSA people that they're on the ground, you know, they're just trying to do a job and they don't really want to do this, you know, they don't want to have to touch you and all this other stuff. And I don't know, I believe that, uh, you know, you give people power, 
you give people, uh, whether it's real or whether it's uh, the impression or perceived power uh, by, by the public, you know, we uh, when we go through there, through the airports and stuff, you know, they say that uh, when you buy your ticket, you know, you you agree to give up, you know, your rights, and you you say that you may subject you that you're going to agree to be subjected to pretty much any kind of search that we want and this and that and uh you know when you would watch the videos of that guy john tyner and some of the other people when they were wanting to leave the airport and how the the authorities were trying to tell these guys oh you know you can't leave and you left the area and you shouldn't have done that and then uh with that with that uh, if you touch my junk guy you know, he was saying, no, I left the area because I was told to by agents, so if you're going to come after me civilly, shouldn't you come after them? And the guy was just, you know, no. And and you could see in that, you know, if you watch kind of the longer version of that stuff, that's about 14 minutes long or so of his ordeal, you really see that they're really trying to intimidate him. They're, you know, just the guy who's, who's, I guess, maybe the supervisor or whatever at the very end, is saying, hey, I'm just trying, you know, if you'll cooperate with me, it'll look better for you later, and all this other kind of bullshit that they're trying to pull on this guy. And, uh, you know, when you when you give, it doesn't matter what agency it is, but when you give us in an agency or a group a certain amount of power over another group, but then you don't really have any checks and balances for that, you know, you're going to get abuse. It, it, you know, it happens all the time. So anyway, um, before we jump into into the reviews, I had another, on YouTube, I've seen some videos where they're, where they're showing, you know, all these people lined up for Black Friday and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, we bought stuff on sale. I didn't go near a store. I was able to do it online. Had I not been able to get that same price online, I would have just waited and maybe tried to get it a little bit later sale, maybe during Christmas or after Christmas, something like that. Uh, but we ended up getting a uh, a TV. And a little bit later, I'll do a review on that after, we, after we've had it for a few weeks and uh, kind of let you guys know. We ended up getting a Samsung. And I've wanted one for a long time, but I, was, I didn't want to pay... Uh, over a certain amount of money uh, for a television and uh, you know by waiting a little bit and by um, waiting for a sale and being able to get it that way I was able to get it at a price that I could live with and uh, it's still expensive but it's not you know three thousand dollars or even fifteen hundred dollars you know it was under a thousand dollars so uh, and for a decent you know flat screen TV I, I, I can live with paying that amount but uh, you know, but you, I would watch these videos of people, and they were just you know trampling people, and they're you know, pawing, reaching over each other, shoving each other. You'd see these huge lines of of people out there, uh, you know, outside of Target and outside of Walmart and all these other places, and uh, you just think, wow, man, it's it's kind of depressing, really, when you think about it, and. Uh, they showed, I think it was at a Target, one of the uh, videos that I watched. And uh, five, six people got knocked down. Nobody's really stopped to help them. Everybody was just trying to rush in there. 
uh, toward the end, it shows a guy, and he's like, you know, leaning up against the, this little side rail, and he's like, oh, he's breathing heavy, and he's like, oh, oh, and you could tell, like, maybe his ribs got, you know, stomped on a little bit or something, or he maybe was just getting pressed from the crowd being on top of him. But he uh, is winded, and he's breathing, and he's in pain, and then he kind of staggers off toward the merchandise. <laughs> Oh, man. It really, I mean, look, I I know money's tight for people. <laughs> what is your dignity worth, $200? I mean, come on. But I guess most people, most people don't have savings. Most people are knee-deep in debt. When I first started out doing this show a long time, you know, many episodes ago, I uh, talked a little bit about money matters and getting out of debt, saving. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about in in kind of that prepper mentality that you need to, number one, get out of debt as much as, as quick as you can. Uh, but then you need to have some food saved up. And you also need to have some cash saved up, maybe about three months worth of, of paying your bills. And that... That's not just three months worth of your salary. What that really, my my philosophy of it, that three months of, and this would be a minimum. The three months is your highest three months. So take 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 the the amount of money, like when your power bill would be the highest, when your gas bill, if you have gas, would be the highest, when your water bill would be the highest, when your home insurance is due, when your property taxes are due, you know, when when you have all those big ticket items. And even if those things come due kind of in separate months, try and add them all up. And let's say that if that added up to $3,000, you know, that if you added it all up and if you said, but man, if I had to pay all this in one month, it'd be like three or four grand. And, uh, you know, try and have at least double of that because then if you've got at least double of that, that's probably would that probably would actually get you around like four or five months worth of paying stuff because usually you don't have all those big ticket items coming down to you all at one time. You know, um, most of us pay, you know, your insurance uh, either monthly or once every six months or something like that. But, you know, when you do save that money, don't just say, well... You know, and I'll just throw a number out of here just, just to make it easy. Let's say if you made $1,000 a month, you wouldn't say, well, I need to save up $3,000 and that'll get me three, you know, three months worth of bills paid. Well, that's not it. You know, you got to look at if you've got a mortgage, if you've got car payments, if you've got, um, like I said, those, any other type of big ticket items when you're in, when you're, not your insurance, but when your tags, when your tags and license and registration comes due. If you've got a new vehicle, those can be kind of pricey. Um, and that's one thing that you can do just as a, in general, as a budgetary thing in general, is to mark down on your calendar, you know when your, when your car tags are going to be due, and you know about what they're going to cost. So mark down on your calendar, uh, you know, let's say they're due in November or whatever. Well, November my car tags are due, so... The month before November, I want to make sure maybe I cut back on spending a little or 
or budget that in that expense that's going to come in uh, you know you know you're going to know when maybe your property taxes are going to be due because they're due the same time all the time uh, and so budget in for that stuff and then that way you don't get you don't get caught unaware or you don't do something like uh you know you go out and you buy a new vehicle or you or, or uh well maybe not a new vehicle is not the right thing but well we'll just use the example of a you know of a tv or a blu-ray player or, or uh, some type of you know kind of a luxury item something that's not a necessity you know you make sure that you you don't have that big expense right before you know that you've got another one coming up the next month and that you know buying your your TV or that ATV that you've always wanted or you know some uh, you know some other fancy type of equipment or something that you always wanted to get or that $300 camping knife or you know something like that don't do that when you know that the very next month you're gonna have another thousand dollars that you've got to pay on property tax or you've got a combination of property tax and your car tags are due and it's gonna be a big expense and it sounds simple, and it is simple, but most people don't do it. Most people have no idea what they spend a year on power. Most people have no idea what they spend a year on, uh, and, uh, and I guess I should just say utilities. So, you know, power, gas, water, things like that. They have no clue. Uh, the bill comes and they just pay it. Uh, and it's the same with food, with gasoline, things like that. You know, I I know within probably four or five dollars what I'm going to spend each month on gasoline. I know uh, because I've, I've um, at the end of the year like with your power bill usually the power company will send you a thing and it tells you how much you sent per year. Keep those for three or four years and you can kind of tell what you're going to be spending so you sort of know well this is how much money I'd have to spend for the whole year. Uh, to keep our electricity on, to keep our phone going, to keep, you know, those things are pretty constant. Yeah, they can fluctuate a little bit with the cost of energy. You know, energy prices go up and go down. Uh, but generally, you're going to know for the year what you're going to spend for your, for your power, for your phone, especially things like phone, uh, th usually things like water, which is also, you know, your sewer and your trash, uh, barring any huge... Uh, upticks and prices for what you're going to do you pretty much know what those things are so uh, take a little bit of time you know write that stuff down and then you can be able to better budget yourself just for in general but then you're also going to know well gee whiz if I got laid off and I and I needed to keep my house going for six months or for a year how much money would I really need and most people, most people, if you ask them that, would have no idea. They wouldn't even begin to know where to start. Um, but again, if you know what your, if you know what all your utilities are going to run you in a year, if you know what your groceries are going to run you in a year, uh, and it's easy to do. You know, when you buy groceries, write it down, and then at the and keep a little notebook of your expenses, or do it on your computer or whatever. Um, but write it down and at, at, at and do that for like six months and then you you know then you've got half of a year's done right there. You know it's a easy it's a very simple thing to do. Just kind of keeping track of your money where it's going and then that's when you if you need to kind of pull back on something if you need to. Uh, 
save a little bit of money or put a little bit more aside, you're going to say, well, we can maybe cut corners here. We can cut corners there. Whereas if you're just sitting down and you're like, holy crap, you know, we've got to, we've got to rein in our spending. If you have no idea what your spending patterns are and what your habits are, where your money is going, it's very difficult to do that. But if you can go and open up your little notebook and you can say, oh, this is what we spend here, this is what we spend there, we can easily cut some money out here. And we can take maybe that money that we've that we've been paying and over the next three to six months we can put that towards knocking our credit card debt down or doing whatever we need to do to get out from under that stuff. Um, that's what you need to do. And this stuff works. I mean, I've been doing this stuff for years and years. And this isn't to brag or anything, This, but just to let you know. Our house is paid off. Our cars are paid off. We have zero credit card debt. You can do this stuff. It takes a little bit of time and a little bit of dedication. But once you do these things, then is it really that important for you to go running down there and, and risk being trampled to death or giving up some of your dignity to get you know $200 off of a TV? Well, not really. You can afford to wait. Or you can just afford to save up. And that doesn't mean you know you don't go and try and get stuff on sale. You should always try and get things on sale. But you know, I mean, come on. That you look at those videos and and, and you see the behavior that these people are doing, and you see you know just that mad rush to get in, and you know the store employees are yelling, "Don't run, don't run!" But you know, I don't know. The part of this stuff is. Is something that is created by the stores, of course, uh, you know, because they're saying, "Well, here are these, you know, wonderful, great prices that you're going to get, and you're only going to be able to get this stuff, you know, on these one or two days." Um, one of the things that that is nice, and I think that it's smart from a business standpoint, is uh, that they they did allowed people to do stuff online, uh, which they'll move more product and all that stuff too. But and that's what we did. Like I said, we we got my I got my stuff online. So I sat in the comfort of my home, click click click, and uh, got the stuff that I wanted. So uh, one other point about those about those videos and the people's behavior, and and this it always kind of hits me, you know, around Thanksgiving. Or certain holidays where everything is kind of closed after six o'clock or five o'clock, you know, in the evening, you get it. You can get kind of a sense of what it would be like if, uh, and not if the you know the world ended as we knew it, or the you know the total shit hit the fan scenarios, like everybody likes to say. But let's say that for whatever reason. Uh, you know, there's a trucker strike, or the price of fuel gets too high, and they just and uh, and the truckers have have gotten to a point where they're saying we can't we can't afford to run our our vehicles to get to bring your food in, uh, and so that you know food and stuff kind of came in short supply for a while until some things could be worked out. You know, when you go into the stores right before Thanksgiving and a little bit afterwards. You know, a lot of times the shelves are bare. There's no milk. There's no bread. There's, 
you know, a lot of some of the staple products and staple things are gone. You know, things, certain fruits and stuff will be missing. And you go in there and the shelves are bare. And, uh, you know, we see, we see how those people acted just for the Black Friday stuff. Well, imagine that that's how it is, but it's with food. And you, you know, you think you see shoving and pushing and fights and people getting trampled, you know, just over, over merchandise. Wait till you see what would happen to where if people were lining up to get a loaf of bread or some flour or some milk or heck even water for that matter. Uh, you know, then, then you'll see some real pathetic behavior. And another thing, you know, what's funny too is you look in these videos and the majority of people are fat, way out of shape. And I mean the majority of them. Now look, I'm no, uh, I'm no Greek statue and I got a few pounds that I could lose. But I'm not 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds overweight. And like I said, the majority of these people, huge, gigantic. And again, I don't know the figures on how many people are considered obese. And there's, you know, there is a difference between being a little bit overweight and being obese and, uh, then you get into those things of like the morbidly obese, where they have to bury you in a in a piano in a piano crate. <laughs> but sometimes I think those numbers are a little skewed on on the obese thing. You know, they'll call you obese or overweight if you're five or ten pounds over a uh, you know some little chart. So if they say, well, you're six feet tall and you should weigh 170 pounds and if you weigh 180 pounds then you're you know you're overweight for my height and weight i mean i'm probably about 10 pounds you know off of what my of what i would consider to be an ideal weight for me uh and uh i'm gonna try and do something about that here uh, over try and get i'm gonna try and lose about probably 15 pounds and then I think I'll be right at my ideal, right where I would consider to be an ideal weight for me. Um, probably about 10 to 15, realistically, I guess. And I wanted to get that done for Christmas, before Christmas. So, And I, wanted, and I don't want to just lose weight, because you could sort of just stop eating or alter your diet for a little bit. But if you go back, you're going to put the stuff right back on. Uh, but I want to try and get this done and then make it kind of a permanent thing. So I've been altering kind of my eating habits a little bit to where um, you just change kind of what your diet is. You're not going on a diet. You're just changing kind of how you eat and how you live. And so, uh, you'll, you know, people are, are, are creatures of habit. And if we do something or don't do something for a long enough time, uh, it kind of becomes ingrained in us. And usually... If you maybe give something up for a couple of weeks, uh, that's when you really start to notice, eh, I'm not really even hungry for that anymore. And then if you go, um, I think uh, Alex 
Haddix over on his show, um, Practical Defense, on his podcast had done a thing. I forget what the episode number is, but it's called uh, the 30-Day Challenge. And he talked about things like if you're going to, for instance, an example he gave was giving up uh, soft drinks and giving up soda. And uh, he said that if you could kind of make it about 30 days, a full 30 days, then you, you pretty much won't go back. And I, there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, oh, and you know, speaking of Alex, let me go ahead and play a uh, quick promo for him real here real quick. And this is about a um, class that he's going to be hosting. Hey, everyone. This is Alex Haddix from the Practical Defense Podcast. I wanted to let you know about a great opportunity coming to Los Angeles at the end of January. I'm hosting the Masad Ayub Seminar. This is his Armed Citizens Rules of Engagement, a 20-hour program to help you stay out of jail when you legally defend yourself against a violent attack. The course will be held by LAX on January 29th and 30th. To reserve your seat, visit alexhaddix.com mag20. That's alexhaddix.com mag20. I hope to see you there. All right, well, that sounds really cool. If you're out in the L.A. area and you are a uh, gun owner, um, Masad Ayub is probably one of the premier trainers in the world. Um, and if you can at all afford to do it, uh, and like I said, and you're a gun owner, uh, you get some real valuable information out of this. Eric, um, whose review we're going to hear here in a little bit, uh, had taken the Mag 40 class and uh, just raves about it. So, again, um, a lot of times in, in the in the gun community and in uh, we're always asking the question, well, how how do I know if if somebody's a good trainer or how do I know that what they're going to be telling me is sort of the, you know, is valid information? And uh, there are certain names that always kind of come up all the time. And uh, Mossad is one of those names that comes up all the time as somebody who uh, you're going to get valid information, quality information. Uh, you're going to get, again, the information that is correct. So, again, if you're out in the L.A. area or if you're, you're close and you could drive to it, um, Go ahead and do yourself a favor and get signed up. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's hear from Eric. Well, dang it, Tony, you've been releasing Arm Date podcasts so quickly, I can't keep up if I'm going to have a movie review for each one. So uh, I'm giving you a twofer this time. I wanted to talk about 1989, the year that gave us both Deep Star 6 and Leviathan. Now, it also gave us The Abyss. I'll talk about that at the end. This is part of a trend of similar movies releasing at almost an identical time. I'll talk about that in a future submission. So let's talk about these. These are both underwater scary monster movies, and uh, and they both suck. But uh, <laughs> let's start with Deep Star 6. Deep Star 6 features almost nobody you'd recognize. Nia Peoples, uh, B-list television hostess. I remember her very vaguely from commercials as a child growing up. Uh, Miguel Ferrer, he's probably best known as the guy who invented RoboCop. He was Bob Morton. Uh, there is Greg Evigan, who has a picture-perfect beard for the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, he was also in My Two Dads. Music by Henry Manfredini from uh, the, was that Friday the 13th and Ferris Bueller's Mom. I didn't even bother writing her name in this. The writing in this movie is absolutely terrible, but the acting is actually pretty good, considering it's nobody that you really know. 
and and how horrible the script is. I mean, just some of the lines they say are ridiculous, but God, they mean it when they say it, you know? So you got to kind of give them props for that. Uh, this was a Kassar Vajna Karalko movie. Um, you know, Terminator, Terminator 2. Uh, let's see, what else? Total Recall. So, you know, they were really big. Uh, Rambo 2, I believe. Really, really big for the 80s excess action movies back in the day. How this stinker slipped by is really something of a mystery to me. But if you know Karalko's history, they made a bunch of really crappy movies. Cutthroat Island is what finally sunk them. Although you'd be surprised that this one didn't do it sooner. The special effects are laughable in this thing. They're horrible. With a creature design so bad and so generic, there's never a full reveal. And you really don't mind. Um, the sea station teeters on a cliff about as quickly as a model would. It seems pretty obvious it's not really underwater. Bubbles stream in front of the underwater camera from the exact same direction at all times. Deep Star 6 is a really cool name with two hokey attempts at gore, but ultimately it falls short with, with the ultimate bad movie sin of being boring. Uh, and the creature is barely in it. Of the two, Leviathan is the one that shouldn't suck. Uh, it's got Stan Winston effects, Jerry Goldsmith music, but you'd never know it when you actually watch the movie. This one was badly written and badly acted, thanks to George P. Cosmatos' directing. George P. Cosmatos is probably most famous for Tombstone and not really directing it. Apparently, Kurt Russell made the promise that he would not reveal this until after Cosmatos died, Cosmatos was recommended to Kurt Russell for Tombstone to let Russell direct it and merely put his name on there, you know, because you've got your director's guilds and whatnot. And uh, he was recommended by Stallone. See, Cosmatos also supposedly did Rambo 2 and Cobra. So kind of wonder now if Stallone really did those. Anyhow, uh, this one features Robocop's Peter Weller, the equal opportunity Ghostbuster Ernie Hudson, uh, who is actually great and was great in The Crow, too, by the way, before I knock on him too hard for this. Colonel Troutman himself, Richard Crenna, Daniel Stern from Home Alone and City Slickers, so you can tell where this is going. Having said that, he was good in Very Bad Things. Hector Elizondo and the requisite hottie is played by Amanda Pays. You might know her. Again, comic book geek here. She was in the Flash TV series. I loved that show growing up. Uh, Meg Foster appears as the manly, stoic, pale-eyed, creepy woman that you'll recognize and not know from where. Uh, this one escapes the ultimate sin of bad movies, and it isn't boring. It's mostly just crappy acting. Uh, though early on, there's a helmet light warning, and it's actually a skull and crossbones picture, you know, because cause that wouldn't make somebody panic. Uh, a fish swims by perfectly motionless. And it becomes clear they're not really underwater. That This is just a plastic fish on a wire being dragged by. Uh, they're not really underwater or no budget was spent on the exterior shots. But uh, you got to give some credit because at one point a creature's leg gets severed and starts to mutate on a deck out of sight. Very creepy, very gross. And when they think Daniel Stern's character is dead at one point... Um, very gross, the the way his flesh starts falling apart. So so for the ickiness, I got to give it thumbs up. Really good stuff there. It's just the exterior, uh, any of the big shots. No budget, very lame. 
Uh, let's see. The st- spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear about the rest of the movie, you know, fast forward past the segment, two minutes or so. The station implosion at the film's climax is very cool. Uh, it almost makes up for the dorkiest creature design I've ever seen. This would be like, this would be the monster that was made fun of in Monster School for having the overbite and the headgear. Uh, very good slime and gore that unfortunately does get sunk by horrible, horrible acting. Uh, but it's much, much more of a creature feature, you know, that it's in it more, the, the critter is in there, the grossness and much, much more than deep star six. Now, unfortunately, both of these turds, the poster is the best part of the movie. So if you get the chance to see them, watch James Cameron's the abyss instead, that was 1989 underwater horror movies. Believe it or not, there were actually more than that. Skip them both stick with the abyss. But uh, if you just want to watch a crappy movie, Leviathan at least isn't boring. So there you go. Hope you guys enjoy that. Y'all take care. Hey, Eric. Thanks for those reviews. You know, it's funny. I've seen all those movies that he's mentioned. Uh, I've seen The Abyss. I've seen Deep Star Six. I've seen Leviathan. Of those three, the only one that I have really any recollection of at all is The Abyss. Uh and like I said, I know I've seen the other two movies, but I have zero recollection of them. Um, it's funny, a lot of times, you know, when Eric was talking about the poster art, or the cover art, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the movie, it reminds me of back in the day, and you don't see it as much now, but way back in the day when uh, VHS was big and everything, you would have these just just total crap movies but the cover art and the box art on those VHS tapes were really cool. Um, and I, I can't give you really specific examples. Um, one of them was, and I I can't remember the name of the movie. It was like Camp Hideaway or Cheerleader Massacre. I don't know. One of, one of those 80s kind of slashers movie. But anyway, what you had was a real pretty girl like in a cheerleader outfit. And she's jumping up and kind of doing a cheer but her head is a skull. Uh, I also remember um, some of the um, oh uh, the Evil Dead movies. The box art for that was really neat. There was one where you could, if you put your finger on the uh, on the VHS box, the little the eyes would light up and stuff. So uh, they had a lot of really cool things like that. Um, you know, some of the movies I can put up with a lot of bad acting. Um, if the if if kind of behind it the story is okay or the story kind of makes sense uh, or you know sometimes you can forgive a, a movie if it's got like some good special effects and creature things but usually that type of stuff unless it's like a guilty pleasure that type of stuff is something that you kind of watch maybe once and sort of forget about it um, but uh, because if you've got a if you've got a really good story. A lot of times you can forgive bad special effects and and uh, and and somewhat you know the bad acting. Uh, oh, one thing though, Eric, that I can't believe you forgot to mention, uh, which is probably one of the most awesomest shows in the world that Greg Evigan was in, which was B.J. and the Bear, where you have a man plus an eighteen wheeler that's red and white, plus a chimp, and guess what? Hijinks ensue. I don't know if many of you guys remember that show. I think it was only on for like three or four seasons, maybe three. Um, but it was about this young guy that 
uh, he's in a trucker and he, he goes around and he kind of uh, has dealings with crooked cops and gets you know helps people getting out of jams and stuff like that. So, and then also, in fact, I think there was a spinoff show. If you guys remember, oh, what the heck's his name? Um, Claude Akins, is that it? I think Claude Akins. They had a show called. Uh, he was he played kind of a a corrupt guy on the BJ and the Bear show. But then when he got his own show, of course, you know, you can't have him be corrupt. But it was The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, something like that. And I think, again, I, I don't think the show lasted too long, maybe just a couple of seasons. But as a kid, I liked them. So. All right, monkeys. Now uh, let's go ahead and tackle that review on that sleep pad. And this is a self-inflating sleep pad. And uh, when we do a review, we ask about kind of five questions. Number one, what does this thing do? What was this thing designed to do? Number two, how well does it do it? Number three, what are the cons? Number four, uh, what are some modifications I would like to see made from the manufacturer? And number five is kind of a two-part thing is did I do any modifications? Part one, part two is if I did do modifications, did they make it better, worse, or not much? You know, make uh, Did it make no difference at all? So what is this thing? It's a sleep pad. And what is it designed to do? It's designed to, number one, kind of give you a comfortable night's sleep, but also to keep you warm, kind of keep you off the ground, to give you some type of insulation. Um, how well does it do it? When I had gone up to the cabin, and I would mentioned this on the last show, I took this up with me. And um, I had it on the, on the floor of the cabin, so I, I, do, I haven't had any experience with it outside. And I'll get to why I haven't had any experience with it outside here in a little bit. Uh, but on the floor of the cabin, it um, once you unroll it, it comes, uh, it comes, you know, rolled up, and it's got a couple of valves on there. And you open up the valves, and then air will go in. Now I found that, and maybe it was just because it was the first time that I was unrolling it, it didn't really, air didn't really kind of seem to sort of rush in there. I don't know, maybe if they're all like this or not. But I, I kind of expected it to sort of blow up a little bit easier. Uh, and what I had to end up doing was actually uh, blowing in onto the valves and putting some air in there, which they they state, and all of them kind of say that, you know, sort of no matter what brand is that, it'll fill up to a certain point. But if you want to get it to where it's nice and firm, you need to actually inflate it a little bit more by, your, you know, on your own. Uh, so once I did that, it uh, it actually was re it was very comfortable. Um, it's wide enough to where when if I move or if I kind of want to spread out a little bit, I don't feel like I'm going to fall off the edge of the pad. Um, the the inside of the pad has foam, and then it's it's the outside is kind of is a, uh, like a plastic type material, and uh, so what happens is is that foam gives you gives you a lot of good comfort and also once your body heat kind of heats that thing up it can keep you pretty warm uh, also because of the thickness of the pad when i if you're rolling or if you kind of put an elbow or you've got a hip on there you're not bottoming out meaning that you're not going right down to the ground and it compresses so much that you know it doesn't do you as much good uh, so from that standpoint i think that it 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 does what it was designed to do and it does it quite well um, what are some of the cons of it? The cons of the thing is because it 
because I wanted a bigger pad, it's it's going to be harder to pack down. It's not something that you're really going to take on like long backpacking trips. I mean, I suppose you could because really when it kind of gets right down to it, other than your food and your water, um, getting a good night's sleep, especially if you're going to be gone more than you know one or two nights, getting a really good night's sleep is going to be able to, to help you a lot when you're out. Um, so some people may, you know, would say, well, you know, they could uh, put up with the excess weight and size. But it is pretty bulky and it weighs, I think, uh, let me let me double check here on the weight on that thing. So it weighs a little bit over about six and a half pounds, um, 6.68 or something like that. Um, and again, I, I don't know if I gave you guys the actual length. It's 30 inches wide and then the length of it is about uh, six foot five. So if you're a taller guy, you'll be able to get on something like this and, and length, lengthwise you'd be fine. You'd be able to get your whole body on there. So that's going to be the major drawback to this thing is that it is big and it is bulky and even when it's rolled down it's still about it makes a roll that's about maybe nine ten inches across um, and of course it's going to be that 30 inches wide so it's a it's a big thing having said that you know you could uh, strap it to the you know to the top of your pack or maybe you know, kind of on the bottom to where it's you know it's sort of down uh, like you'll see people do with their sleep systems and stuff but there's probably things that are out there that would maybe give you kind of uh, it may not be as comfortable but it would maybe give you almost as much insulation and almost as good a night's sleep for a lot less weight so but anyway um, are there any modifications that I would like to see made from the factory? And the only thing would be uh, perhaps on the bottom of it, maybe, and, and I'm not sure the material uh, is, again, it's kind of like a tough plastic, but I'd like to see on the bottom like a really kind of uh, a, a real good tough plastic uh, bottom layer there that way if you do happen to have it on a, a rock or it kind of scrapes across something it's not going to rip or tear uh, so just having like a good thick bottom um, other than that I can't really think of too much as far as me being able to do any modifications to it uh, I, I can't really think of anything that I could actually do uh, that wouldn't you know probably totally ruin it now Let's get into some of the, the real-world applications of this thing. The second night that I had it, I had it laid out, and then the second night I was getting ready to um, to go to sleep, and or and I was noticing, I'm like, that, something doesn't look right. It didn't seem to be as, as uh, fully inflated. And then I walked to the other side of it, and what had happened is the the seam along the edges had come undone so I don't know if the glue there was missing or if they if they heat the plastic together and it melts together and then it and that had just maybe not gotten heated fully uh, but anyway what had happened is that had had come up so I had about a foot long section of that seam where it had come undone you could still use it as a pad um, however, I don't, I think maybe some of your, some of the heat would kind of go out through that seam. 
Um, and also, uh, you, you couldn't get it as firm because you couldn't get any air in there, you know, to firm up the thing. So it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as good. Um, I think I kind of got a feeling of what maybe a thinner sleep pad would be like. And again, you know, I was inside a cabin, so I was sleeping on a level floor and all this stuff. Uh, I think it may make a, that would especially make a big difference if you were, you know, if you're out sleeping on the ground, you know, you're going to want to have to be able to get as much uh, firmness in there as possible. So what happened was, is I went, I went back to REI and I said, Hey, you know, this is what happened. And they, to their credit, they're just like, yeah, this is definitely not your fault. You know, it's not like I punctured it or something. They're like, it's clearly a, a manufacturer's defect. And they said, just go over there, get you a new one and bring it back. You know, cause and I said, well, I just want to exchange it for a new one. And, of course, I went over there, and there was none. They didn't have any. And uh, so I ended up just getting kind of like a store. I've got right now kind of like a store credit, and once they get it in, I'll go back. Now, if I get the second one and sort of the same thing happens again, what I'll probably do is take the money that I've got into it and uh, just get like a thermarest. I'll just maybe get one of the thermarest ones. And if I if that means I need to pay, you know, a little bit extra for the thicker one, I'll I'll go ahead and do that. So, but I think I think it was probably just one of those things where it's just the fluke. Um, if you look at all the reviews, nobody's really had that problem or anything like that that I could that I could read when you know the reviews online and stuff like that. Most people are pretty satisfied with it, and. I will say that first night it was really nice, you know. It it uh, it did what I expected it to do. So I would recommend this thing. Um, I can't give it a hundred percent recommendation yet because I still have to get the new one. And once I get the new one, um, I'm gonna uh, I've got some camping trips uh, planned uh, coming up for uh, probably in in January. So I'll be able to have it out in some some uh, cooler weather and stuff, and we'll kind of see see how it does from there uh, but for right now like I said I think I just maybe got one that was kind of a fluke if anybody's had experience with them um, good or bad let me know either like from an REI brand or from Thermarest or anything like that now I had talked to Ken who's done some reviews for us uh, on the phone a while back and he was saying that he I guess has some Thermarest and he really likes those and has good luck with those uh, so he was a big proponent of them. Uh, he have, and in fact, he was saying that they also have um, the Thermarest pads that they issue him in the military. So uh, anyway, I, like I said, I'll give this kind of a, a, a tentative thumbs up for now. Uh, let's see here. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're gone past the hour mark, which is a little bit longer than I like to go. So hopefully I wasn't too rambling and uh, didn't jump around too much. And uh, like I said, if you guys have any experiences or have any questions, please feel free to write in or call into the show. And uh, I'll see you next time, monkeys. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it.